Amen. Thanks, Dan. You can have a seat. And I want to invite our kids to exit at the back. All right, you can see Mary Kate here. She's uh, ready to help you find your new spot uh, this morning. So um, kids can head back to be with our team and Redemption Kids this morning. And I would like to invite the rest of you, uh, big kids, beautiful adults, to open your copy of God's life-giving word to the book of Ephesians. We'll be in chapter 3 today. Okay, so that's in about the middle of the New Testament, back of the Bible. If you're using one of the Bibles we provide, that's page 977, 977 in the Bibles maybe that you received when you walked in. If you did receive a Bible, by the way, um, when you walked in, you don't have a Bible, maybe you need a new Bible, uh, just take that as our gift uh, to you, and we would love for you to do that and uh, be able to read the scriptures for yourself whenever you'd like. Um, and then also, as I know, I already welcome new guests. Maybe if you missed that, welcome. My name is Tanner Turley. I serve as the lead pastor of Redemption Hill. And uh, we would love for you, just as a quick heads up, next week when we're back at the Chevalier Theater in Medford Square, um, they had a show there this morning uh, or this afternoon. It was kind of a, 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 you know, just a lot going on. So uh, we knew it would be better to meet here this morning. And same thing's going on on February 11th, by the way. So mark your calendars. We'll be right back here. I was, hey, this isn't a bad spot, huh? I mean, t- I mean you know, talk to me. Yeah, thank you. I mean, hey, hearing this is a man singing and mm, come on. Uh, so, but uh, we'll be back here on the 11th, but we'll be at the Chevalier next Sunday, okay? And the next week. Super Bowl Sunday when we watch the Patriots after we worship. Um, so, uh, thank you. I knew they'd get somebody excited. Yeah, I see that jersey. All right. Um, so, but, but if you're new, okay, uh, then we would love for you next Sunday to come to Next. Next is a place for uh, new people or new-ish people in Redemption Hill just to connect with others to learn more about our vision and values. Uh, so, it's a free little luncheon that we'll provide. Keep it tight. Feed you talk to you a little bit, get to know you a little bit, and then uh, you'll be on your way. So that's next Sunday. just want to give you a heads up about that. Well, um, as you hopefully have heard uh, or have seen coming in or you see the little vision card that you've received, okay, today is Vision Sunday, all right? Vision Sunday at Redemption Hill. I always love this Sunday because this is the Sunday when we lock in as a church on what we believe should be the driving pursuit of our church family for this coming year, okay? So, so, so here's how we think about uh, Vision Sunday, okay? It's this like one driving pursuit that God, if nothing else happens in our church, we want this one thing to happen, okay? It's not that all of these other things are unimportant, okay? This isn't the only thing we're gonna do, okay? Seek the fullness of God in us to overflow through us, but it is the most important thing, the thing that we want to be locked in on together and praying toward together and working toward together as a church. And I think this is so important because the life of a church can be like our personal lives. And this is what I mean, right? There are so many good pursuits. There are so many worthy endeavors in our life that all of the sudden life starts to spin and we feel like children on a merry-go-round. You know what I'm saying? Like anybody feel that way like these days with work and school and life and kids and, you know, places to be and things to do. And so like and what happens when you're on a merry-go-round is what? Like your vantage point is always shifting which then consequently gives you the inability to focus on what matters most. 
And so Vision Sunday is all about locking in on what we believe matters most for us as a church in 2018. I hope you're excited. And one reason I'm excited, let me give you two reasons why I'm really excited. I could give you more than that, but I'm just going to limit it to two right now. Two reasons I'm really excited about our vision for this year is that not only do I believe this this pursuit will simultaneously, okay, benefit you personally, but it will also benefit us as a church. Okay, so it's like two rails on the same track. Like you were going to personally benefit and our church is personally going to benefit from this one pursuit. But then, this is, this is what number two, this is what I really love, okay? And if this one thing happens, if this one thing happens, everything else that God wants to happen will be taken care of. Do you, you hear that? Like, like, if this one thing happens in you, in us, I believe everything else is going to be taken care of, that God wants to be taken care of in our lives and in our church. So 2018 is all about seeking the fullness of God in us that he might overflow through us. And the greatest spot that I can see in Scripture to help us really lock in on this vision is where the Apostle Paul, okay, one of Jesus' earliest followers and leaders of the church, lays out a prayer in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, and he is praying for nothing less than this fullness of God. Check this out. To not just be present in a few people, but to be present in the entire people of the church. Okay, so this message is for you. This message is for you today. This prayer is for you today. So Paul prays this. Listen, listen to his prayer. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, all the, all the people who follow Jesus, okay, um, what is the breadth and the length and the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God, we pray that these moments would be, in the most literal sense, sacred moments, divine moments, when you speak to, to our hearts through your word, Lord, and that our hearts would be in a posture of humility as we see Paul even exhibiting right here in his prayer on his knees, just humble before you, saying, God, would you do this? Because if you don't do it, it's not getting done. And so God, we continue to pray, do what you want to do in us. God, make these words, these truths, these realities a reality. In us, we pray through Christ. Amen. So hopefully you caught there at the end of verse 19. Paul drives his prayer to this one ultimate goal that we would be filled 
with all the fullness of God. This is what we want to see in us this year as a church, the fullness of God in us overflowing through us. And so that's why I want to begin with the end of Paul's prayer today and really examine what is Paul talking about when he's praying that we all would be filled with the fullness of God. What is it going to look like if we are seeking to be increasingly filled with the fullness of God in 2018. Well, um, th- this idea, okay, this, this prayer for the fullness of God is a prayer that God's presence and power and life, all of his perfections in his presence, power, and life would come to fruition in us. Now, I know if like, you're paying attention, like you're locking in, like you're like, wow. What, like, how can that even happen? And so the, the, to even kind of take it up another level, okay, to, to blow the mind even more, is that this life and presence and power of God is currently in us who are in Christ. It's like it's in you. If you are in Christ, the presence, power, and life of God is already in you. But to be being filled with the fullness of God is to increasingly realize this work of God in us so that it would be increasingly on display through our lives. But this is something that happens in stages by degrees. It doesn't happen overnight. Even Paul's prayer, right? He says, be filled with the fullness. So it's like there is a process, there is a journey that we're on that is necessary for us to be filled more and more and more. And what Paul is praying here is for nothing less than that we would be made just like Jesus. All right? Just like just like Jesus. He wants us to be made into his image. This was God's goal in the very beginning. When God made man and woman, the Bible says in the very first chapter, Genesis 1, we were made in the image of God. That means we were made to know him, to enjoy him, and to reflect him. As we all know, in our honest moments, we would say, hey, I have not done that very well. By our sin, by our rebelling against God, by our choosing our own wisdom and path, we have gone away from God's plan. We have not reflected his image, but through Christ... God now is remaking, renewing his image in us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is a verse you need to know, all right? So highlight it, underline it, write it in your notes, go back, read it, reread it this week, okay? This is is what Paul says here, okay? And this captures this idea of, of, of a thing of degrees, right? Of being filled. He says this, and we with unveiled face, okay? There's no barrier between us and God now. We see God because of Christ, because of his work on the cross. So now we with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. This is how the change happens, okay? Are being what? transformed into the same image. You, you, if you are in Christ, if you have placed your faith in Christ, if you have been made new by Christ, you are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
It's the work of God. God is increasingly making us more like Jesus, where we think like Jesus thinks. We want what Jesus wants. We love what Jesus loves. But it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. It, it takes that journey. Okay, so let's, let's give ourselves some grace. Can we do that in 20th? Like, can we give ourselves some grace as we progress in Christ? And can we also, maybe this is even more important, can we give one another some grace? I mean, I'm looking at you and I'm seeing the image of Christ being formed in you, but I haven't seen anybody like perfectly looked into that same image, that full fullness, but I can see that God is filling us to that fullness. And that's what he wants to do in all of us. That work is a miracle. Let's not minimize this miraculous work that God is doing in us to make us into that same image of Jesus. So I just want to ask you this morning as we embark on this 2018 vision, is this, is this pursuit, is this goal, like if this is, this is a goal, then, then we should be chasing after this goal. We should be moving toward this goal. We should be pursuing this goal. Okay, then is this goal the greatest pursuit of your life? Like, could you say that this morning? Like, like there are a lot of important things on the merry-go-round of my life, but, but when it stops and I can lock in on this one thing, yo, God, you are my one thing. This pursuit should be our greatest pursuit, and what I want to encourage you with, what I want to challenge you with today is that this pursuit should be an infinite pursuit because God is an infinite God. God's love, God's mercy, God's grace, God's power is infinite. It's limitless. And so as we are growing into that image, we never reach the end of the road because there are infinite depths in the character and being and work of God. As A.W. Tozer wrote in his excellent book, The Pursuit of God, the glorious pursuit of the infinite riches of God has neither limit nor end. And then he says this, to have found God and still to pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. Wow. We have God, but we want more of God. This is how true love works. Like you, see, you see this ring? Like that girl, she belongs to me, all right? Marcia, this one, like she is mine. I am hers. We belong to one another. But guess what? I want to know her. I want to walk with her. I want to serve her. I want to be moved by her more and more and more. How much more should we want that with the God who made us? The God who made us to enjoy him more than anything else, anyone else in this world. And so, so listen, when, when we are locked in on this infinite pursuit, okay, this is just, I hope you hear this. I hope this hits your heart this morning, okay? When we are locked in on this infinite pursuit, okay, it never grows stale, okay? It never gets old, we never become tired of God when we're locked in on this infinite pursuit. But, but here's the infinitely more astounding 
mystery of it all is not that we would never tire of him. It's that he would never tire of us. Wow. God is saying, I want you, I love you, even when you blow it, even when you run from me, I am running toward you. I want to give you more of myself so you can enjoy more of me and be changed into the person that I've made you to be. That's what fullness is all about. Jesus lived and died and rose victorious over the grave so that we could go deeper with God every single day of our lives. Every single day. And so I just want to ask you this morning, do you hear God's invitation to you? Like God is saying, what he said to David in Psalm 27, seek my face, like to seek to know me. We know a person by knowing, looking at their face, right? So he's saying like, seek me, know me, be intimate with me. But, but are you responding to that invitation as David responded to the invitation, your face, Lord, do I seek? I'm going after you. I'm pursuing you. Yes, even meditating on you in the watches of the night. That means in the middle of the night, like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 a.m., like I'm seeking you. And not only that, he says in Psalm 59, 7, I think it is. I read it this week, all right? Like I will awake the dawn with your praise. Like anyone just so moved by God, so, so wrapped up in your pursuit of God that sometimes you can't sleep. Or you just have to get up. Like I know it's like tough and you have so much responsibility and you have your morning routine and all of that. But, but you know, could, could we just kind of sacrifice some sleep or like reorder our lives where we could throw away some of the distractions and time wasters that are uh, not valuable at all on the scales of eternity so that we could like spend more time with God and awake the dawn with his praise? Let's not say like, oh, that was David. (laughs) Oh, that was David. What's stopping us? What's stopping us from having his experience? No one is stopping us but us. But but, but, but don't miss this, okay? And this is where we're going to see in the rest of the prayer, okay? All of this filling, all of this filling to fullness, okay, is God's work. Okay, it's God's work. Paul uses what scholars call a divine passive verb, okay? In other words, we are not the primary actor in this filling, okay? Paul doesn't say, hey, you go fill yourself. He says what? Be filled. And the one why is the divine passive is because God is the one who has to fill us. And we see this so clearly from the rest of his prayer, which is where he starts in verse 14 through the first part of verse 19. So let's lock in on these verses together as we look at what it looks like to be filled with the fullness of God through God's work in us. Okay, so, so first, and this is just to state the obvious, but we need to hear it. We need to hear it again and again and again, okay? This starts with prayer. Ask God for his fullness in you. Paul is saying, I'm on my knees for you. 
And again, this is not a metaphor, right? Like this is not just like, oh, I'm like, you know, in my heart, I'm on my knees. And like Paul is physically on his knees with a humble posture before God saying, God, I need you here. I am dependent on you. If, the full, if your fullness is going to fill these people, then you have to be the one to show up and to get the work done. Paul lived his life with a certain sense of desperation. God, if, if this is going to happen, you have to be the one to do it. And so I would just briefly say, look, our prayer life is a barometer of how humble we are before God and how hungry we are for God. Did you catch that, right? How, how humble we are before God and how hungry we are for God, our prayer life reveals that. And so I would just want to ask you this morning, when is the last time, whether alone or with others, you spent considerable time in prayer? When's, when's the last time? And I hope you're like, man, it's been months, it's been years, it's been never. And then you're like beating yourself up like, oh, man. Saying good, I'm feeling kind of bad, I'm feeling kind of guilty. Like that's not the point. But the but the point is that as God fills us with with Himself, okay, this is going to be our next move, right? Like this is going to be. Like, we're not going to dwell on the past, okay? But we're going to move forward in such a way that we want this more and more and more. We're going to see it in our lives. How frequently do you find yourself on your knees seeking more and more and more of God? Perhaps the greatest thing that every one of us could do today is just to say, God, increase my desire for you. Show me how much I need you, God. Make me more desperate, God, dependent on you day by day by day. Jesus told us, ask, seek, knock, right? Like, be persistent. Keep coming to God as your good father. And because he's your good father, okay, you can come with confidence because God is not holding out on us, but he wants to give us the greatest gift, which is the gift of himself. That's why he says in the end of Luke 11, when he's teaching the disciples to pray, the Lord's Prayer, you've, you've heard it, you've prayed it maybe hundreds of times, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, give us a day, forgive us, lead us not into temptation. And then he says, ask, seek, knock. And he says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? The Holy Spirit is the presence of God in our lives. Doing everything that God wants to be accomplished in us. And so this is why we can come boldly. This is why we can have confidence. Okay? God is a good father. He cares for us. He loves us. He wants to give good gifts to us. But not only does God want to, not only is that his heart, okay, he also has the strength to get it done. This is the God, after all, who is sovereign. It means he's in control. He's above all over every family, every people group, every person. That includes you and me, okay, in heaven and on earth. This is the, 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 the God, that God that Paul is praying to. Do you see that in verse 15? That I'm praying to the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. God has that kind of power. So we pray with confidence. We ask God to fill us with himself, and he, we ask God to fill us by the power of his spirit. And so listen, let's, let's, let's keep it real today, right? There are so many things that we can pray for. There are so many things that we should pray for. 
There are so many physical needs in our own lives and in, in the lives of those around us that, that what can happen, okay, and I, I know because I've been there and I've lived this kind of prayer life, okay, it's like all we're praying for is just the physical needs in our lives. You know what I'm saying? The daily bread stuff, the like meet my needs, God. And, and that is important because God cares about all of those needs, but could we just come to the conclusion based on Paul's prayer, based on what we know of the Bible, based on why God created us in the first place, okay, is that the priority of our prayer lives should be not physical needs, though we don't forsake those, but the priority of our prayer lives should be spiritual needs, spiritual renewal. So we're like praying, God, strengthen us in places that other people can't see because I need you to work in my inner being or heart. Those are two synonymous terms that Paul is using that, 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 that say, look, if, if my life is going to be cultivated into the same image of Jesus and I'm going to think and love and, and desire and delight in all of what he does, then I need your spirit to do that in me. That's what Paul is asking for. Paul knows, listen, he knows that the Spirit already dwells in every believer, but he's asking that God's Spirit would strengthen them, okay? That word means to brace or to fortify or to invigorate, right, with life all of what he desires in us. And so we're going to, listen, we're going to talk a lot about, a lot more about the Holy Spirit next week, all right? We're just going to jump a couple chapters to Ephesians 5. I can't wait. I'm already working on that sermon. You know what I'm saying? Like, but, 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 but let me just say a couple things real quick about the Holy Spirit. This is so critical. This is so critical because if the Holy Spirit does not strengthen us, then we will lead a very spiritually exhausted life. We'll do, 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 do all of these things for God, all of these great things. We'll even come to worship. We'll sing these songs, right? We'll, we'll, we'll read our Bible. We'll even serve others, and we will be flat worn out on the inside. Because what is happening is we are operating in our own strengths. Self-reliance leads to exhaustion and ultimately be concerned about this, okay? Self-reliance will lead us to be a hollow shell of our ultimate potential in Christ. We will be much weaker than God wants us to be. So, so, so again, it's like this humility and prayer to even ask God for his strength to strengthen us. Like that, that, that takes, okay, being okay that we are weak. Can, can we just start welcoming our weaknesses? Like, can we be comfortable in our weakness so that God can make us strong? That's what, what Paul is praying for here. But he, he doesn't stop there, okay? The strengthening of the Spirit then leads to a deeper knowledge and experience of God's love for us in Jesus Christ. So look at, look at how he goes on to pray. He says, um, I, I'm praying that according to the riches of his glory, okay, like God can get the job done. You know what I'm saying? So um, I'm praying according to the riches of his glory that uh, you would be strengthened with power, this is verse 16, uh, through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. For, for, for Paul to pray that the Spirit would strengthen them and that Christ would dwell in them is to pray for the same thing. Jesus dwells in us by his Holy Spirit. That's why we say Christ is in us and we are in Christ. And, 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 and the, the word Paul uses, he could have used two different common terms, okay? One that would have been a temporary uh, kind of residence or one that is a permanent residence. You already know what he, what he chose, right? Yeah, like Jesus is here to stay. Jesus, like if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, he's not going anywhere. This isn't the higher place, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to Medford Square. We miss Medford Square today, maybe, maybe, maybe not. But um, you know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus is here to say he's dwelling in us. He is rooting and grounding us in his love. Think about these words. Every word of Scripture is, is profitable. It's, it's, it's encouraging to us to build us up in Christ, okay? Rooted is an agricultural term. Uh, building up is, um, is, is an architectural term. Rooted and grounded, rather, grounded. And, and, and you can't typically see the roots of a tree or the foundation of a building. You can't typically see that. And so what Paul, again, is saying is that there is an unseen stability in our lives that comes from the love of Christ that is ever-expansing and increasing because of what he's done for us. And so I love how Paul just stretches when he prays, and he prays these huge prayers for us, right? Like, know how long and broad and high and deep is the love of Christ. Even though this, this, this love is, like, beyond our comprehension, it surpasses knowledge, yet we can comprehend the incomprehensible love of God in Christ. But just, just think about a few facets of it with me for a moment, okay? Jesus lived the perfect life that we should have lived, so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for us, his perfect righteousness would then be ready to be imputed to us, given to us who believe in him by faith. And in those moments on the cross, Jesus becomes weak on our behalf that we might have his strength. Jesus dies on our behalf that we might have his life. Jesus empties himself that we might have all of his fullness. And so listen, like how do we, how do we grow in our knowledge of his love? We just walk with him. You know what I'm saying? Like we just keep, we just keep spending time with him. We just kept letting, keep letting his word dwell richly in us. Colossians 3.16 and so that's why I'm excited. Like every single month at Redemption, we're going to put out a new Bible reading plan. This, this month, it was 31 days in the Psalms. Next month, it's 28 days in the book of Acts because we're going to start the book of Acts on February 4th as a church on Sundays. But, but can we, like, like never before, can we saturate our minds and our hearts with the word of God, the word of Christ, so that we can dive deeper into his love and we can experience more of his fullness in our lives. I'm talking morning, noon, and night. You know what I'm saying? Like, just can't get enough. Can't put the book down. 
And if you're thinking like, man, that sounds like legalistic, Tanner, you're talking about every day, you're talking about morning, noon, and night, like are you exaggerating? Like, you know, like it might sound legalistic, but it could also sound like love. If the living are not alive, what hope is there for the dead? So listen, Paul's entire prayer here, it's shouting this all-important message. Not only does God want to fill us with this fullness, okay, but he is providing everything we need to make it happen. This is God's goal for you. This is his desire for you, that you would pursue him in such a way to be filled with him every single day, more and more and more. And so as we go after this this year, as you go after it as in your personal life, as we go after it as a church, I just want to dream with you for a moment by asking a couple of questions. I want you to ask these questions. I want you to listen to the possibilities, but I want the Holy Spirit, as he's strengthening you even now, to maybe put some thoughts into your heart that you need to move on, like even today, this week, all right? So, so, so here are the questions, right? Number one, what will your life look like full of God? This is a great question. What will your life look like full of God? We asked this question two Saturdays ago at our morning of prayer, and here were a few of the responses we got. Maybe these will resonate. I will look to God first in all things, not fearful, but full of faith. I will be patient in the storm. Like, has anyone gone through some difficulty in 2017? Maybe 2018 isn't off to the greatest start either. Maybe you're going through some dark season in your life, in your soul. But if I'm full of God, listen, I can have peace in the storm, and I can wait on God's timing and leadership in my life. Wow, that's good news. I will selflessly serve others. I will see sin decrease and God increase in me. I will hear my heart saying, Jesus is better. He is better than my next breath. Wow. How about these? I will place myself in the streams of grace that will fill my life with increasing measures of God. So because God has spoken in his word, I will dig deeper than ever before. Because time builds intimacy, I will spend more time in prayer this year. Because I need encouragement in this journey, okay, like Sunday worship and connecting in a group through the week, like it won't be an option. It will be the very thing that I have to do because I need more of God in my life. I will, because Jesus is so amazing, be an example in my workplace, in my neighborhood, in my home, wherever he places me so I can share this good news with other people. I'll see God take the the messed up, jacked up, broken pieces of my life and put them back together so that when people see that I'm set free from all of these things that weighed me down, anxiety, depression, addiction, you know what I'm saying? Like Then then they, they see that I'm set free from that because of the work of Jesus, then, oh yeah, my life will be radiating more of the fullness of God. That is possible for you. I don't care what's going on in your life. That is possible for you in Christ. And so what will your life look like full of God? Such an important question I hope you're asking yourself today. But listen, as as much as I want that for you, as much as I want that for you, I want it so much more. 
for us. You hear that? I want to so much more for us. Listen, listen. What happens? I love this question. Right? What happens when the fire in a few ignites a fire in us that spreads like wildfire? What happens when the rumbling in a few becomes an earthquake that shakes the city of Boston? What happens? Revival happens. Revival. Revival is just like, it is being uh, invigorated, full of life on the inside. And hopefully, like, if you're hearing this prayer and this prayer is resonating with you, like, hopefully you're saying, like, why wouldn't I want that more than anything? More of the life of God in me. Brian Edwards in his book, Revival, clever title, okay, this is what he says. A true Holy Spirit revival is a remarkable increase in the spiritual life of a large number of God's people. Let me repeat that. A true Holy Spirit revival is a remarkable increase in the spiritual life, not a few, okay, but a large number of God's people. And what happens in those people? Well, this, this, this increase um, results in an awesome awareness of the presence of God, intensity of prayer and praise, a deep conviction of our sin with a passionate longing for holiness, and an unusual effectiveness in evangelism that leads to the salvation of many of those who have yet to believe in Christ. Sign me up. Sign us up. I think the best definition that I've ever seen of revival is from this book. And just in a phrase, when, when he says that revival is a people saturated with God. That we, just, we, just so, we just have more and more and more of God present in our lives. We are filled with his spirit to overflowing. And so the, the follow-up question then is, is, what will this look like in our church? Like, 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 I hope, I hope you're saying, like, oh, that's nice, like, nice definition, Tanner, like, I'm glad you read that book. I hope you're saying, like, man, that's what I want, and that's what I believe is on the way. And this may be a new thought to you, and some of you may be really theologically astute, and you've read your Bible, and you know, just like from reading this prayer, like, we can't make revival happen. And you're absolutely right. We can't. Like, revival is God's business. God changing people is his business. But here's what we can do. We can say, God, guess what? I'm going to pray until it happens. God, I'm not going to move until you move in my heart and in their heart. Listen, li listen, this is my heart. I'm not, I'm like boasting, okay? I'm like, this is, this is nothing to like, oh, Pastor Tanner, he's so cool. He's so awesome. He's so fired up for God. Okay, I don't, I don't care about that. I don't want that. That's not the point, okay? But this is, this is what my heart is saying these days, okay? Like, I am going down swinging. I don't know how many years I have left. 
I mean, I could have got taken out with an appendicitis, you know, a couple of months ago. So, hey, thank God I'm still here, right? But, like, I don't know if, I don't know if it's a decade or two or three or four or five, all right? I'm, I'm 37 now, years old. Okay, God, give me a few more decades at least. Give me four or five or so. I'll take whatever you want to give me. But until I am laid in the grave, I want to pray for this. I want to go after it. And I'm convinced that the fire of a few, when it spreads, God, we can see God move mountains. What, is a, what does a church look like full of God? We're praying for this in one another. We're saying, look, this starts with me, but I am going to live in such a way that no one is left behind. And this is not just the work of leaders and pastors, you know what I'm saying? Like, Pastors just exist to, exist to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So like when we're all locked in on the vision, we're all concerned for one another. That means we're praying together. That means when we read the word and we're saturated with the word, it's not just for us, okay? I'm talking about this one of my new mantras in life, right? Copy, paste, send. You know what I'm saying? Copy, paste, send. Like some of you got a text from me, got some word from me this week. It's because you know how simple it is? Copy, paste, send. It takes three seconds just to feed one another some Bible through our week. I better calm down or then we're going to post this video online. All right, so come on, let's go. All right, we will not only be, enjoy being saturated, but we'll share it with us. We will see, listen to this, we will see complacency and cowardice replaced with courage and a burning passion for God. We will anticipate every gathering. I'm talking about for worship, groups, teams, prayer gatherings. You fill in the blank, serve Medford. Okay, we will, we will see it as not just an opportunity to receive something, although we love that, but we'll see it as an opportunity to give ourselves away for the sake of others. We will expect the miraculous. We will have as our greatest concern, not performance, but God's powerful presence working in us. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I like that song, Unstoppable God. I thought the band sounded good. Come on. Yeah, they did. Yeah, thank you. All right. Hey, 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 oh. but, but how about, how about, wow, my view of God and my love of, for God was deepened because of the truth of that kingdom going on, reigning forever. Yes, no one can stop who God is and what he wants to do in our lives or in our city. Hello, book of Acts. Listen, as, as Edwards says, I love this. John, Jonathan Edwards, Brian Edwards, who cares who said it? This is what they said. If the living are not alive, what hope is there for the dead? Jesus died, but he rose again, and his life is now in us. And so listen, we, a couple of years ago, we said we, we want to see God move us by the year 2020. We laid out a 2020 vision that would say, look, we want to grow as a church to the point where numerically and just the, the life of, that, that's in this large number of people, okay, is so strong that we would be in a position where we can effectively and much more rapidly start new churches all over greater Boston. And so I just believe, I just really believe in my heart that this is going to be a breakthrough year for us. And this is what I mean. I'm not just saying that to get us excited, right? Although I'm glad you're excited. I want us to be even more excited for God this year, right? But, 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 but this is what I mean. This is what I mean by breakthrough, okay? This is what we should pray for, okay? That God does such a great work in our lives, personally and as a church, that no one could mistake 
Come on now. That no one could mistake that it was because of us. It's not, oh, they have a good plan. Oh, they have a good band. Oh, they have awesome people. Oh, they have decent leadership. No, 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 no. Listen, when we, when we see 300 people coming every Sunday by the end of the year, I know I put 270 up, but in my notes, I have 300 exclamation point. Because I'm going to ask you to pray for 270 people, but I'm really praying for 300. You can pray for whatever you want to, all right? When we, when we see 30 new people, we've, we've never, I just, I hate to admit this. Like, I'm ashamed to admit this. Not that I'm doing the saving here, but listen, like, eh, Maybe it does. I'm sure it reflects my leadership, our leadership to a degree. We've never seen 30 people in one year come to know Jesus, like new followers of Jesus. We've never seen it. Why not? So can we just like pray for that? Like can we pray for that kind of breakthrough? Like a breakthrough is like there's a barrier there and God is unstoppably knocking down the barriers. 30, 50. 200 people in groups and on teams, 40 new members that are joining the, the family of Redemption. I was thinking like, I am so locked in. I want to own the mission with this family of believers in Christ. That's what membership is all about in our church. Giving goal. Like, listen, we, we set a, a budget, a plan for $345,000 of internal gifts. Listen, that's, that's like nothing. That's nothing for God. Why, why not $400,000? When we just give faithfully and generously and proportionately. And we don't like, that's not what we, that's not what we harp on at Redemption Hill. But, but, but money fuels ministry. Big, as, as John likes to say in next, you'll hear it next week, big vision requires big provision, right? We want to see God move mountains in this city and we need him to provide to, to move the mission forward through us. And so let me just be very clear because I know you're like, Tanner, you missed number one and that's what the whole sermon's about. No, I didn't. Number one is like, I'm not even spending much time on all these metrics today because these metrics are secondary. These metrics, when number one happens, when we are filled with the fullness of God to the point of overflowing, listen, the, 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 the secondary benefit, the, the fruit of God flowing through us, overflowing through us, is just simply the result of Him filling us with Himself. And so let's pray. Let's let this just be kind of a map for prayer. So to pray for one another in these ways, to see God do miraculous, amazing things in our lives, in the lives of our friends, our families, our coworkers, our neighbors this coming year. And so listen, as we, as we wrap up and as we move into a time of response, I thought the, the best move that we could make as we're becoming a praying church and we are becoming a praying church. I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's just to turn our vision into a prayer. And so could you, could you begin to pray this prayer this morning? And could you write it down? And could you maybe scribble it on your vision card? And could you take like 25 vision cards and put them all over your house or all over your fridge or all over your car? Well, I don't care. But, but just to keep this before you, this prayer, God, fill us until we overflow with you. God, fill us until we overflow with you. I'm going to invite Dan and the team to come up. I'm just going to lead us in a time of prayer, and then we're going to sing a song that's a prayer to God, that's singing this metaphor, set a fire in our souls. The, the, the Holy Spirit is often seen as a metaphor in Scripture as a fire. 
And so we wanted the fire of God, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit of God to, to so love us that we would say there's no place we would rather be than just in the presence of God and his love for us. So, so the simple prayer of our heart is we just want more and more and more and more of you, God. That's, that's the, the prayer in the song. So can we just enter into a time of prayer and response and moving into more of this fullness that God desires for us. Let's pray together. God, thank you. God, thank you for what you're doing in our church. God, thank you for the forward momentum that is so present and evident in the life of Redemption Hill Church these days. God, we know that it's a work of you. But God, I'm looking out at these people, and these are people that I love and I care about. And God, I want you, God, I want you to work in their lives in amazing ways in 2018. God, I ask that you would fill them with more of your fullness that they might be stronger than ever before on the inside and that they might overflow with you more, more, more clearly, more evidently than, than, than they have ever before. So God, as we sing, as we sing this prayer, Lord, would you cause our hearts to be sincere before you? Lord, would you cause this to be the cry of our heart, that we just want more and more and more and more and more and more of you. Because you are the greatest treasure, God. You are far more glorious than we know. As we behold you, God, will you change us into the image of Christ? God, thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice that enables us to know you and to live for you and to love you with everything we are. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.